Lynch. Hi, this is Ben Bova. I've written a lot of science fiction, and I think that I've devoted my life to trying to understand the opportunities and the dangers of the future. And if you listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, you'll begin to understand a lot of that, too. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. If you're listening live in Hong Kong, good morning, everyone. It is TalkCast 219, and welcome to Universe Where the Unexpected is to be Expected, deep in Area 51 on sublevel 14. Beside the organ reconditioning in Quickie Lube, we're getting an oil change, takes on a whole new meaning. I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are our usual suspects. In the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Countess of Technicalness, inaccurate refer inaccurately referred to as testy when all she really wants to do is test it's our own technical genius Kriana yeah bite me <laughs> okay I take back the inaccurate part <laughs> from the stacks of her personal silence zone in the dank dungeon reading room the unmutable woman herself who is known throughout the universe as the robot whisperer it's the Zombrarian. <laughs> you said testies <laughs> <laughs> testy <laughs> Oh, if only could it be, if only the world had heard our pre-show comments. From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our lovely Ginger Ingenue, best remembered for her role as the amazing undead love interest in the 2014 blockbuster The Wolfman of Wall Street, our very own reanimated body of proof, the dead redhead. No, the world's a better place that they didn't hear our pre-show comments. <laughs> Joining us tonight. Jason Chen from Story Bundle and Chris Robertson, the only author that we didn't get to talk to in last week's Scramble to Be Heard talk cast <laughs> uh, <laughs> from, our, from the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Story Bundle, uh, author of Demonic Visions and Death Dreams Deluxe. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Glad yeah, to be here. You say that now. <laughs> Give us a chance. Uh, as we normally do every week, I think we may as well do again this week. What's happening in the world of science fiction this week? I would like to start with a shout-out to Alexander Skarsgård, who is going to star in the new Warner Brothers action, live-action Tarzan. So he's taking on Johnny Weissmuller, huh? He is. He is taking <laughs> on... I don't know if he can swim. I hope he can. I actually am looking forward to this. Number one, yeah, I think so Alexander Skarsgård is the right person for the role. I think it was actually good casting. Way to go. And number two, like the most recent Tarzani type movies that there have been that I remember clearly were George of the Jungle 
<laughs> and which Disney's Tarzan, both of which were really good. So obviously the secret is either make it really funny or get Phil Collins to do your entire soundtrack or both. Well, I don't know if Phil Collins is doing the soundtrack, but I also know it's co-starring Samuel L. Jackson and Christoph Waltz, uh, two fairly uh, good choices there. Which means I'll be there because Christoph Waltz, you know, I got that thing for him. Yeah, I know you do. I'm kind of worried about that, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Dead Redhead and I are going to have Zombie Day at the movies where we go see Target. There we go. You're there on. You go. You're on. <laughs> uh, what else is happening? So, uh, Thor 3, Captain America 3, anybody? Evidently, yes. Um, the Mark Kevin Feige announced that uh, Marvel is already writing both Thor 3 and Captain America 3, and they're moving ahead with both of those projects as we speak. Uh, I don't know how anybody feels about Thor 2, uh, but I thought it was kind of amazing, and I really liked it. We didn't get to see it, so... Oh, really? Better than the first? Um, I thought it was... Well, a sequel should you know, by the definition of a Hollywood sequel, only be about 75% as good as the first one. And I think this one, because of uh, the fascination with uh, Loki, which turned out to be kind of the breakout character of that that portion of the franchise, uh, was really good. Well, and I think the Avengers franchise has also done a good job of settling comfortably into this place of... Movies that are fun. They're yeah. not necessarily the most accurate to the comics. They're not necessarily the best anything. But they're fun, solid movies that you don't walk out of and think, well, that was horrible and I hate my life. You walk out and you're kind of like, wee, whiz, bam, kapow. Which is exactly how a superhero movie should make you feel. And not only that, it's one of the few movies that most of the audience will sit through the entire end credits because they know that somewhere in there, there's going to be something they want to see. That's very true. Or that they want to pretend they know what it is because they Wikipedia'd it right before they left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. I think that's a very good point, Sombrarian, because they, they are fun. We've talked about that, how Marvel is getting it and DC obviously has lost it in a big way. If Green uh, Lantern is any indication of what DC is trying to, to get after, or possibly that last super blunder movie. Well, um, Green Lantern's problem was that it took itself too seriously. Same with the Superman movie. They took themselves too seriously. And the smart thing about having Joss Whedon at the helm of the Avengers franchise is that it's never going to take itself too seriously. But it's also going to be well written. Yes. <laughs> and the characterization is going to be good. Well, the other, the other thing that the franchise has going forward is that Kevin Feige is just basically umbrellaing this entire Marvel project and just saying everything goes through me so that we all, there's a level of consistency across the entire, uh, the, the entire franchise, which is kind of amazing. You know what it's starting to remind me of, and I actually kind of enjoy this, hmm. is how 
you know, back in the day, I don't know, Dome might remember actually. Oh God, here comes another old reference. Well, when you had when you had serial movies. Yeah. And you had shorter. I'm not quite that old, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't. I didn't know actually when they stopped doing movie serials. My mom has talked about those. She loved those. Yeah, and people absolutely loved movie serials, and I think it's just such a perfect way to kind of. I know that Kriana, her main complaint about going to the movies is. She wants more substance to her story than two hours or three hours can provide, which is why we really like watching TV shows with a long arc. And with these Avengers movies, you get both a long arc and an enjoyable theater-going experience. Right. Yep, a short payoff, long arc. Yeah. And I think that's the real success, is that they're not trying to pack everything into one movie because they know they have more. And and the beautiful thing is that with all the established characters that are now doing wonderfully, uh, it's it's behooving them to add in characters into the mix like Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Ms. Marvel. And that's what they're talking about for Phase 3. And I see something else on our list. I don't actually know. Is Black Widow getting her own movie? That is the talk. That, as a feminist, makes me so happy. Sure, absolutely makes you happy. Because it felt very uncomfortable to me. In Avengers 1. The Hulk got his own movie, even though it was Edward Norton and not Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. He's still got his own movie, even though they know that Hulk movies are never any good. But Black <laughs> Widow didn't get one, and Black Widow is basically female James Bond, only more badass. Go ahead, Dedretta. You were going. No, somewhere. I was just agreeing. I, I, that is true. That that's what she is, and they really let Scarlett Johansson run with that. Well, they they let her start out with it in I think was Iron Man one. And then in the Avengers, brought her along. Two, two. that's right. Then brought her along a little farther uh, with the Avengers. And the word is, in an interview she did this week, um, that in Avengers 2, she has a, quote, very big role. And that's how she defines it. I hope they keep her as a spy, though, because her whole thing is that she's a super spy. And not necessarily a super-powered hero. And so I hope that they continue along those lines with her as a spy. Because I love spy movies and I want to see Oh, them. yeah. And having a spy movie within the Marvel Universe, I think would be incredibly cool. With a female protagonist. Absolutely. Like, name me a spy movie with a female protagonist. It doesn't exist. Uh, the Avengers, the original Avengers, the British version... Yes. Uh, with Emma Peel. And that's kind of what that's Scarlett true. Johansson's character is, is an Emma Peel for this generation. Yep. And for those of you who don't know what that is, get on Netflix and download oh, a bunch of them. Oh, you should see Emma Peel. Oh, is it on, is it on Netflix? Going up. I hope so. It should she be if it isn't. Heroes. Go on Can I Stream It and find out if you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that website uh, 
was was a real website. It is. It's not like let me Google that for you. Oh, it isn't. No. No. Okay. And and just look. This is my PSA for the night. Okay. All right. If you ask someone a question, and they send you a link to let me Google that for you, hit them. That is not a compliment. <laughs> they were not trying to show you a cool thing that they found, even though the animation is somewhat entertaining. They're insulting your intelligence because you couldn't figure out just to fucking Google it, and they don't want to answer all your dumb questions all the time. <laughs> the appropriate response to being sent a link to let me Google that for you is not, oh, cool, thanks. Hmm. Just in case you're the following PSA was brought to you by Kriana. You're welcome, world. And testes. (laughs) 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 In other movie news, because we got a ton of movie news for some reason this week. Um, Oh, the Lego movie opened. Uh Uh-huh. And I've got to tell you, as far as animated movies go, uh, animated movies live on on two fronts. The first front is is the animation good enough to keep your attention, whether it's good or not. Is it good enough to keep your attention? And in the Lego Movie, yeah, guess what? It is. But is it written well and is it funny? Hell yes. Um, number two, why do we care? We care because animation is a lost art. Uh, I don't think it's a lost art. I, I think it's a well-practiced art. I think good animation is a lost art. That may be so, but animation <laughs> itself is highly prevalent. Yeah. I mean, Anyhow. like, if I could stop all the yuppies on Facebook from posting things about Frozen every 30 seconds, oh, I good. wouldn't have to take some of these pills. <laughs> <laughs> you could cut your medication in half. It's true. No, but the Lego movie, I think, has really suffered for being released so close can to Frozen. We, can we just, like, there's a fucking Lego movie. Why? It's real. No, it's really. No. People Why? Really love it. Why? Why not? Because Why? It's and- Legos. They're little freaking bricks. What is, what movie could possibly be made about Legos? It's not about Lego. Yes, I know. So why would you want that look to a movie that you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars making? Yeah, it looks I mean, stupid. Yeah, but you also don't like Pixar, so I don't trust your opinion on anything related to this. Okay, but but their thing is Pixar is actually trying to do it right, and just they're too yuppie for me. And Lego actually... Well, I don't know that Pixar is trying to do it right, because I think what they do in Whizbang they suffer for in writing. Pixar doesn't... I feel like Pixar doesn't suffer in writing. Hmm. But yeah. I think what, what makes the Lego movie actually worth talking every, about... Every time you say Lego movie, I have a slight aneurysm. Okay, as long as it's only a slight one, we're in good shape then. So I think what makes it work, what, what makes it talk about, able to be talked about, is that in using... The very, very uh, basic stop-motion animation that they used, but writing it in such a way that makes it a really fun time. And I've always had a soft spot for animated movies 
some more than others. I'm just saying, please, one more post about Frozen, and I will have the same aneurysm you're having. But this one is fun. So I'm going I'm to provide a link uh, this week to their blooper reel, which is a ridiculous concept that I think plays off really you, you know well. that wasn't actually stop-motion animated, right? Yeah, I know. And I know you're, you're trying your best just to just kill the idea. No, it really wasn't. No, I know. So, Kriana, seeing as you're in such a good mood tonight, you want to talk about uh, Superman Returns no. Director? You don't. Not really. <laughs> what would you like to talk about? Can we talk about how bad the casting is for Superman 2? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Please give us your spin on it. <laughs> that's that's about the uh, the end of it. It's Every every single casting leak they've put out seems horrible. Uh, what was the latest one? Uh, who, who's who's uh, Alfred now? Oh, God, I don't even know. It's, it wasn't Kevin Spacey, was it? Jeremy Irons, I think it was. Jeremy Irons, that's Jeremy right. Jeremy Irons is Alfred? What what possible sense does that make? I, I have I I am so disappointed that this franchise keeps telling the same story over and over and over again, and never seems to move forward unless it moves into idiocy. If you look at the original Chris Reeves franchise, they told the story of his return to Earth, and by Superman three, Richard Pryor is in the film. Oh, that. That one is so bad. And this time around, they've done the... Vision. No, it's the fourth one that has Constructo Vision that never right. existed before. And uh, each time they try and reboot this franchise, they start... They they decide, well, we have to tell the, the origin story. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, why? If you don't know it, you're not going anyway. They tried skipping the origin story in the uh, the Superman movie pre previous to this one, and that didn't work out either. That was pretty horrible. But yeah, the, that movie the, is the, the rumor now is is supposed to be inspired by the Dark Knight Returns. Is that what you guys heard too? Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> so not not only is there no origin story, there's no reality across it. <laughs> I, w I know what I want to talk about. Um, so the dead redhead. Yes. You said American Horror Story may be going to the circus. Yes, that's what some of the site the, the uh, gossip sites are saying now. That no, 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 no. I'm thinking hooray. I'm thinking <laughs> hooray. No, no, no. Wow. I'm thinking very scary clowns. I know, and it's going to be so bad, and I hate clowns, and I love American <laughs> Horror Story. And I think I, I'm with you on this one, Zombrarian. I think I'm about to write it off because they're going, they've finally gone to the one place I really don't want them to go. Come on, creepy circuses are awesome. I, know. No. I can I think go to Creepy cool. Carnival in the 30s. I can go to Creepy Circus even. Yeah, that was great. If if it's like Carnival, that's that would be. Oh, awesome. if, yes, if exactly. they basically. But you know, it's not gonna be. You know, it's gonna be gross. 
gonna have to. It's gonna be Carnies. This is not going to be Ringling Brothers. This is not going to be Cirque du Soleil. This is gonna be like Carnival. This is gonna be Carnies. It's gonna be like Carnies, but gross. I actually might be able to handle American Horror Story clowns better than I handle Ringling Bro- Brothers clowns. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, this is the season. This is the season that brought us bleach enemas. Yeah. So but, I feel like, like they try to one up on the gross every time because can you think of anything that was as gross as bleach enemas and in murder house? Because I can't. No, I, was... I feel like with the at least gore wise, this was a pretty tame season. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, compared to the other two. Mur- compared to murder house, really? Yeah, I didn't compared... think that was particularly gory. Compared to murder house with the. Dead babies and formaldehyde in the basement. Yeah. I feel like this season they started out pretty gory with the Madame LaLaurie stuff. Right. But they backed away from it much more quickly. But then they got Bleach Enema! And then there was the Bleach Enema. I just didn't like we did, I don't know if we I, I don't think we got to talk about this. Did what did you guys think of the ending? Because I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, it's called. We wrote ourselves into a corner, and fuck, what do we do now? Yeah, I guess they live happily ever after. Just a little Deus Ex Machina. And they woke up, and it was all a dream. Because season one, they had such a cool ending. Even season two, the asylum. Christmas ghosts. What? Okay. (laughs) And I'm and so very- sad that they had to burn Myrtle again. I she was my favorite character. I loved Myrtle. It was kind of awesome though. And it was it like she, she did it well and she explained it well, but I was still like, man <laughs> I loved it when she played the theremin. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I so <laughs> want a theremin. Oh, I can't tell you how much I want a theremin. I do. The whole season you just kinda looked at and you went I don't know what the hell is going on, but I love it. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Stevie Nicks. Stevie yes. Nicks music video. That's how we'll end the Stevie Nicks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will give them points for wacky gore. I mean, which they've done over and over again. But um, I'm, I'm getting to the point of diminishing returns with it. See, and I love it. I just... I don't know if personally I can handle clowns. I'll have Kriana screen every episode for me. No robots and clowns. At what point did I stop watching Asylum? Did I go like I've just I've had enough? Was well, it when I the think for you and me that it was the lesbian storyline that was like, um, not really. No, that didn't really bother me. It was. Th- was it the alien, the uh, UFO? Um, it. Mm, no, uh, UFO Santa. stuff just you didn't stopped go watching it with Santa. No, no, no. It was before that because I remember not watching Santa. It was. It must have been right before that when I was just like, this is not only gross and pointless; it's also boring. Oh, was it when they were in the chapel and they strung him up? No, it might have been Anne, the Anne Frank bit. That was oh, horrible. That yeah. that was like, what were you thinking? Why were they? Yeah, doing that, that was that was their Justin Bieber moment, right? That there. was Ryan Murphy <laughs> has no concept of propriety, and usually with American Horror Story, that works in his favor. But sometimes it makes his depictions of 
women, um, people of color, um, really anything that's a sensitive topic, awful. Yeah. It, it, hey, I, but at least it's not like uh, How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> Don't you think out there? Let's make all the characters Chinese. Yes, What's but How I Met Your Mother what? when they found out that I know, I know. Dead. I was. I'm just saying, even though he he lacks propriety, at least he hasn't gone that far. That's yeah. true. But he, yeah. when he does lack propriety, he can learn. He could learn from their response to what happened with that. But he doesn't. It was How I Met Your Mother had a very classy and. It, that was almost a perfect response to, hey, that's racist. <laughs> the perfect response to, hey, that's racist is, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you for telling me. I didn't realize I won't do it again. And then actually not doing it again. Can, can we do a quick shout out to uh, Tracy Hickman for a second? Yeah. Um, Kriana stumbled across a... Uh, a post on io9 and i know io9 i get it uh <clears throat> but the post was why dragonlance should be the next fantasy film franchise and wow what a great idea <laughs> on the one hand i agree that that would be awesome on the other hand i'm kind of like how about they get their own ideas <laughs> let's think of one because of let's face it when they have their own ideas they suck willow they don't do well was willow based on a book okay but let's yeah, let's was based on the book oh it was never mind <laughs> you just made my point for me <laughs> i don't even have to say anything else see it, it's funny because uh but but i mean well hang on just one second dome sure go ahead filmmakers have a great sense of how things should look and they have a vision of that they're not necessarily going to be the best world builders or plot builders yeah plotters plotters no yeah. plotters are big uh printers but that's okay okay well <laughs> i mean i don't inherently find anything wrong with letting writers do what they're best at, and then letting filmmakers do what they're best at. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that actually works really well. And they actually stick to that. Well, I mean, a bad example And sometimes when they don't stick to it, you know, it's just like you gotta get a good one. You gotta get the right one. And is everyone gonna agree with all the decisions? No, but that's part of what makes it fun. Yeah, but look at, look at what happened with John Carter. And it's a terrific book. It's well-written. It's it's just a, a, a modern classic. I thought it was John Carter of Mars. Whatever. It had four different names before it was finally released. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why it tanked. See, hmm. I disagree because I had fun with that. I thought it was a good B Saturday afternoon. I thought it was a great, great B movie, but it had the potential to be so much more because of, you know, it's, it's franchisability, number one, it's backstory, it's volume of work that surrounds it my god i mean it it just missed the mark by so much i would love to see tracy hickman's dragonlance uh series done uh on the screen oh my god is this it's movie the, or hbo oh film okay so we're talking movie hmm. 
I mean, sometimes you get really cool things. It happens. Like Willow. Or or even <laughs> Lord of the Rings, in which PJ only fucked up one, uh, two, two major things. <laughs> major things. Um, I, I mean, there were little things that you could nitpick, and there were only two major things, and they're sort of interlocked. But, um, you know, The Hobbit's a completely different story. Now he's just gone, I don't know if he's on heroin. Like, oh. I, don't, I don't know what's going on there. But it's a 200-page book. Okay, guys. And he stretched it to nine hours. That's Ser- what the problem seriously, was. Seriously, it's a 200-page it's book. This is when you have the short story that becomes a two-hour movie. <laughs> well, that's essentially what he did, but instead of taking a short story, he took a novel and made it nine hours. What's even worse <laughs> is when they take a novel and make a two-hour movie out of the first half of it and leave the second half of the novel out. And the second one, the second movie isn't even going to have a lot to do with... Wait, wait, wait. And, and, they, and they just don't make the second movie? No, they never... The, the when did that the, happen? It's called Enemy Mine, and I remember this because Dr. K and I went to go see it. <laughs> this is about maybe eight or nine years ago. And I had about when talkies came out, careful. right? <laughs> and we the first half of this story, and I'm kind of bored by it, and I turn to him and I go, okay, this is where the movie really, this is where the story really kicks in. And he starts laughing, and I look up, and the credits are rolling. It was literally halfway through the book. Okay. Before we get halfway through the show, I would like to talk about a Kickstarter that I think would be really fun. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. This is a really positive thing. And it's, you know, since Valentine's Day is... um, Yesterday. Well, it's been yesterday. I had to think for a second. This would have been a really, really cute thing. Um, if, if, you know, because who doesn't like cupcakes and things like that? And Kickstarter just kicked me out, which is not cool. Um, now I have to find it all over again. But do you want me to tell people? Do you have it right there? I do Come have it right in front of me. It kicked me out, so I got to find it again. So, I don't want to. Well, Geeky Sprinkles, yep. and it's this uh, company, and they're making sprinkles for cupcakes and cakes and things like that in cool sci-fi shapes. Goes on Brarian. Yes, they have three proposed sprinkle types. One is a police box that happens to be blue. Hmm. Of a British science fiction show that'll be well, nameless. Well, a British police box because they That's, were actually a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lightning bolt for both very fast superheroes and boy wizards. That's right. <laughs> um, and there's also a steampunk set, which is actually two different shapes of sprinkles. One is a gear, and one one looks like a nut. We just keep coming back to nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Kriana. I didn't mean to do that. Kriana. What? She said nuts. (laughs) And? That's all. I got nothing. But yes, they have all these three things. I like how in her police box it says timeless 60s nostalgia. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's adorable. Uh, Yes, no copyright infringement intended. Perfect. So you... 
you can um, be part of this Kickstarter and actually get the sprinkles. And they also have different colored uh, regular sprinkles of yellow and blue and silver and, and red and different colors. Yeah, and they even um, have some recipes, which is really cool. Recipes from uh, female sci-fi people. So, And I must say that their video for their Kickstarter is... Is one so of the cute. best. It it's one of the best Kickstarter videos I've seen in a long time. That so wasn't folks, for something that was a movie already, especially. Like usually yeah. it's someone talking into their computer, but they actually like made a commercial for these sprinkles, and it's adorable. It's and very cute. The whole thing is making me want to go to this woman's site. Um, which is the geeky hostess because if this is one of her ideas, I want all the others. Mm. But so we suggest if you have a little bit of cash and you'd like to throw it out there, guys, um, they only need about a little under a little over two thousand dollars left. They've got over a thousand backers. You can get stuff for as little as like twelve dollars. Yeah. And the sets that they've put together are also really cute. They are. Um, my favorite, personally, is you get the lightning bolt sprinkles, and then you get sanding sugar in red, blue, yellow, and green, <laughs> and three wizard-themed recipes. Like, that's adorable. Also... If you look into high quality um, customized dish sprinkles and like really fancy sanding stuff, sugar stuff, that's a pretty comparable price to what you're paying in the store. It, it does some of that stuff it is really that, is, yeah. uh, what is a Wilton they call it or whatever? Yeah. yeah. It's really expensive. Yeah. And they're going to be using the same, um, the same company that makes their the sprinkles for like Betty Crocker. So they're going to be high quality. There's also a really great um, Breaking Bad reference in the uh, Kickstarter film. If you're a Breaking Bad fan. <laughs> if you're not that whole scene will make zero sense. But it's fun for me. <laughs> the end. Love Zombrarian. Perfect. Yes, Which brings so us to the halfway point in the show, at Absolutely. which we talk once again about why Facebook sucks. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, because we still don't have the polls fixed. That's right. And I know that Kriana's trying to fix one for us. But we did put it, uh, I put up the open-ended poll, and we had, who do you want for your Valentine this year? And, man, did we get responses. Um, not necessarily on our site, but when I spread it about we certainly got all kinds of responses i don't think number one will be a surprise to anybody so i think i'm going to go backwards this week and go one two and three because uh, it's jack it's totally jack it's not ah is it's, it picard then you're surprised aren't you I number one number one is captain mal oh Ooh. well People want to spend. You know, money. he has sand in his pants. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Just I don't know. But is I don't true? know where that came from, but okay. 
<laughs> Sombrarian does. That wasn't Captain Mal. Oh, right. Did I black out again? Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong I'm joke. Really surprised Pause, move on. Two. No, it was I meant to make that joke. Coming in at number two um, was Luke Skywalker. Really? Okay. <laughs> the world just old schooled us for no apparent reason. Yeah, no kidding. That and if you're so gonna go with someone from Star Wars, why not Han Solo, who is much less of a whiny little bitch? That's exactly what I was. Th- I when I went and told X who came. Why in, not Leia? Metal bikini. She no. Only one person mentioned Leia. I heard creepy children laughing. (laughs) Yeah, that's my kids. My wife's out for the night. Oh, okay. I thought. Yeah, I gotta be. I gotta be careful. I almost said I was babysitting, but they're my own kids. I I, I thought that was our our thing of the the children laughing. So I wasn't sure if Kriana was putting her own editorial spin on there. Yeah, we do have our own creepy children laugh. Kriana hit it. Nah, I'm not feeling it. Okay. Okay. So we had uh, quite a few number coming in at number three, so I'm just going to throw a couple of them. Everything from seven of nine to yes. we had three people wanted to spend their Valentine's Day with Rory. I don't know why. Me! Okay, because you can be number four. Re- romantic. Uh, he really? Is. P.S. Zombrarian, sidebar. Did you see that I pinned the t-shirt that said, Rory Williams, the boy who lived? No, but that's awesome. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate it. All right, let's let, let Dead Redhead get back to the poll now. Uh, we have three people pick the chick from Species, and that's all they called her, was the right. chick from Species. <laughs> um, Super classy. <laughs> we had three people who picked the Orgasmatron. Uh, I guess it'll be a single Valentine's Day. For I was going to say, yeah. At least um, they, didn't, they didn't pick the phone from uh, she. Yes, true. <laughs> um, we had three people pick Tuxedo Mask from Sailor Moon, which was kind of cute. In an odd and weird way, sure. And three people picked Marcus from Babylon 5, so... But our top one, our top two were Captain Mal and Luke Skywalker. Kind of odd pairing there, but, you know. And yet they'd probably be good for each other. (laughs) We did have one person, because I specifically said, can we be more creative than either Captain Jack or David Tennant's Doctor Who? And I had one person say, but I want both Doctor David Tennant's Doctor Who and Captain Jack together. And that would be my Valentine's present. And it wasn't Julie. So another person said that. So there we go. Uh, well. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Spread the love. Or at least get shots for it if you're going to do that. But, you know. Wow, what an odd frame of mind we're in tonight. (laughs) Jason Chen and Chris Robertson join us now for the second half of the show to talk about the story bundle that was curated by us, oddly enough, and Chris, who was one of the authors in the bundle, who unfortunately neither of them could be with us last week when we were going to ask the metaphorically electronic question, how many people can you jam into the Volkswagen of a Skype chat? 
<laughs> so let's start with Jason. Jason, we're one week into the story bundle, and uh, how are things going? Things are going really well. Uh, we broke the uh, the thousand thousand bundles sold mark uh, a little while back, so that's that's fantastic. Ooh. You know, always good to hit a hit a nice milestone like that. Uh, and you guys did a fantastic job picking uh, picking quality authors too. And then these are these are all good authors. They're all great people too. Great people to to work with. So, uh, you know, hats off to all you guys. I'm just wondering how many emails you get from Christy on a daily basis. But that's a whole. <laughs> I get 18. I love you, Christy. I get like five or six, and I love you dearly, Christy. <laughs> ah, she likes me better. Yeah, evidently so. Yeah. So it, it was kind of an interesting thing, and Chris, you were kind of a last minute. Please come join us, uh, Chris Robertson, who who was the editor for Demonic Visions and Death Dreams Deluxe. That's right. Welcome. Thank you. Chris, so is, Chris is super distinguished because he's the only person from our bundle that we've never actually met, but we That's did true. meet one of the writers in, in the anthology, and he's the one who handed me a copy of the anthology and said, please read this. And I said, I, I, I believe you're talking about a Mr. Rob Smale. I am. We I are. said, okay, Rob. See you later. Yeah, Rob. Rob is a fantastic writer. He uh, and he, uh, you know, he he basically forwarded your information to me, and I was, uh, you know, it, it was a good opportunity. And uh, you know, we've got fifty writers with the series, uh, so it's kind of like a. Uh, I tell people it's kind of like a writers' commune, sort of like an artist commune. You know? <laughs> and uh, you know, we we've got. Uh, you know, our basic formula is, you know, let's just get sales, you know, sales by any means possible, you know. So many writers don't get any books sold, you know, myself included. I sell a few a month on my own book, you know, but nothing big. You just sold so, a thousand. You know what? You're not kidding. It's been a great week. <laughs> <laughs> and we were kind of really happy to do it. Yeah, you know, um, there's so many good writers out there who write these brilliant books and you know writing is it, it's it's a weird art artistic form because you can write something that's brilliant and and nobody knows you know what i mean like if you're if you're an illustrator you can you can you can illustrate a you know a, a brilliant painting you know and people will you can force people to see it and you can force them to have an opinion right you know you you put it in front of them on facebook and they'll go oh that's brilliant that's beautiful you know, but when you're a writer, you, you can't force people to read your story. You know, so it, it's it's a different kind of an art form, and uh, you know, to, just to get uh, readers is it, it's wonderful. So, the whole demonic, <clears throat> sorry, the whole demonic visions is fifty different stories. They're That's both right. they're both fifty different stories. Well, um, aren't they? No. Well, Dem Demonic Visions is it's a it's a reoccurring serial, right? And we have we originally started out we were going to do a hundred, and I uh, I quickly figured out that one hundred was about fifty too many. <laughs> uh, so you know, simple we, we division got, figured what? that one out. Yeah, I mean, I got about a thousand submissions, and and I read every single submission, and I picked my fifty favorites, and you know the the the, the way it works is. Once you're in the series, you're in the series for life. 
And uh, we've got two books out now, Demonic Visions 1, Demonic Visions 2, and we're working on number three. And uh, so, you know, the fans, the people who buy the book will be reading, you know, the same writers, you know, uh, you know, repeat work by the same writers. And they'll get to know their individual styles and, you know, they'll have their favorites. It's really kind of cool. And do you offer this as a recurring subscription so that we can, like, subscribe to the awesomeness? <laughs> We're not nearly that organized. Uh, everything, everything is a handshake, you know, kind of a, you know, everything's based on honesty. You know, usually when you get a story placed in an anthology, they make you sign a uh, contract with a period of exclusivity, which means you cannot publish that story anywhere else for, like, six months or a year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I kind of don't believe in that. I, I think a good story should take on a life of its own. You know, I mean, I, I own a hundred different horror anthologies. They're down on my bookshelf. And, you know, you'll see like uh, The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, right? It's one of the most brilliant stories of all time. And it's like 500 words long, you know. And, and that story is in probably 300 different anthologies. And that's kind of what I believe. You know, that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, a good story Absolutely. should take on, yeah, it should take on its own life. So yeah, I don't, I don't require any exclusivity from, uh, from my 50 writers. I say, you know, hey, let's publish it. Everyone will get every cent that they're owed. And, um, you know, we just kind of keep it nice and loose. Yeah, especially with the internet. If, if one of your stories breaks out somewhere, people, you know, gradually find, find your, their way to your anthology and pick up the anthology instead, you know? So it's, it's, it's 50 different ways of discovering your your work instead of just limiting it to your anthology and not having it, you know, be all over the place. And then the other book that you have in there is basically, as you describe it, every piece of horror and science fiction that I wrote from 2005 to 2013. That's right. That's right. It's um, it, it's sort of everything thrown together, you know, a little bit of horror, some sci-fi, and then... Uh, the final story in the book is uh, a screenplay that I wrote, uh, thrown it, thrown in for good measure. So, people seem to think, and I just want your opinion on this, that science fiction and horror are very close genres because there are so many stories that are kind of crossover and and kind of tiptoe on the boundaries of both. What's your take on that? Well, I'll tell you, um, most horror writers don't actually like the um, the genre description horror. You know, it, it's kind of a sexy title, you know, horror. You know, it kind of makes people think of, you know, gore and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But uh, most of the writers actually prefer uh, the genre description speculative fiction, which um, you, you'll probably agree that that includes, you know, science fiction as well as horror. Sure, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of lean that way, too. You know, horror kind of has a um, sort of a, a taboo that goes with it. You know, um, a lot of folks, y- you know, they, they think horror, they think of modern horror. Right. And they think of like torture horror. They think of like a hostile. saw. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's kind of interesting if you watch historically the trends in horror. They follow or tend to follow very closely the fears of the general public. Absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, the, you know, um, the modern torture horror came about, and this could be coincidence, but it came about right about when um, Daniel Pearl, 
and all that um, unfortunate activity, um, you know, the beheadings and whatnot. Wow, mm -hmm. I didn't put those two together. That's my personal theory, you know, shoot holes in it if you like. Maybe I'm crazy, <laughs> I don't know. I've certainly been told that before. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's my, my personal theory is this modern torture horror is sort of a play off of the public's fear of things going on in the world since, you know, about, uh, you know, 2001. Well, and, and the same can be said for for a lot of modern day uh, science fiction, and actually going back to you know Heinlein and Clark and, and Bradbury, a lot of their science fiction was a reflection of of the day's events and and the fears of the populace. So you know, in in that respect, yeah, they're they're actually both on the same two different rails on the same railroad track now are you going back to like um the the atomic age like oh uh, yeah absolutely yeah the nuclear fears sure yeah and, sure and, and, and we had and, giant insect movies and things like that and, and uh, we had the day the earth stood still which was you know uh an absolute fear of communism that was mm. at the time absolutely yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I got to throw out another one is um, the Body Snatchers, the original. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they get you while you're sleeping, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know until they start talking that it's a pod person. Yep, they, they look they look like your neighbor, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, See, uh, I thought some of the, the more modern things were connected to the whole reality TV stuff and a little bit of, if, if I can go to the movie Videodrome, for those of us who remember it, a little of that brought in because that was, you know, at the time it was so far-fetched when Cronenberg uh, did Videodrome where there was this underground channel and you could watch all this torture and blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly we had these reality shows where you could, you know, I mean, they're saying they just get kicked off the island and so forth. But if you let your imagination run as to what happens when they get kicked off the island, how, you know, what is that stuff that happens? But a full 30 years before that, uh, Philip K. Dick had, had dealt with Do Android Stream of Electric Sheep, <laughs> which had that same dystopian view to it with a sardonic glance towards the future. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's always been a case that, that the, the, the bleeding edge of, of the genre has always been a reflection of the fears of the moment. Mm. Which, and, and in that respect, it's kind of, you know, the, the, the torture horror that's occurring now is, is a very uncomfortable genre. Yes. For me, yeah. many of us anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally, I personally don't like it. Uh, you know, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, went down in history, and people thought it was the goriest movie of all time, right? And there's real no blood in it. There's no blood in it whatsoever. Uh, you know, the the the, the protagonist scene with the hand, the guy when he cuts his hand in the van. Yeah, yes, yes, and then the old man strikes the uh, pro the female protagonist with the hammer, you know. But it's kind of like a a gentle sort of violent, you know. It's sort of sort of gentle extreme violence, you know. And uh, is, that, uh, is that an oxymoron of the highest? Gentle order? extreme violence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. 
I'm glad you got the joke. So, you know, but really, really, exactly. That's the whole point is some of the best horror is psychological. You don't need the blood. You don't need all of the, uh, the gore. I mean, if, if it's well written, uh, you know, people will actually mistakenly reflect and believe that it was gory when in fact there was none. If Christy was around, Christy and I would go off on Poe again about that. Yes, you would. <laughs> <laughs> so Demonic Visions, Volume 1, is part of this story bundle. Volume 2 is also out, and Volume 3 is in the works as well? Yeah, we're working on uh, Volume 3 right now. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, me and the cover illustrator, uh, Steve Wenta. He was a good friend of mine. He actually uh, passed away uh, by rec- uh, by um, natural causes in December. He was in his 40s. It was uh, just a sudden thing. It was a you know a shock to everybody. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the cover, but um, he mm-hmm. was an absolutely brilliant illustrator. Uh, his zombie uh, image on uh, Demonic Visions One, I think, is just some of his best work ever. And uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, we thought we were going to do 100 books. You know, we kind of came up with the idea ourselves. And, you know, the concept was let's put let, – let, let's sell books, you know. Let's put the cheapest price possible. Let's put the bu- best cover possible. Let's have 100 people. It turned out to be 50. You know, but 50 of the best writers we can find, 50 of the best short stories we can find. And then we uh, – the kicker was we actually got something we didn't count on which was we got a couple of really big horror names in the group. Great. Uh, yeah, we fantastic. And we're actually adding a uh, another pretty big name. I mean, I, I treat all my writers equally, you know, but um, it is a, it is beneficial to have some big names. And we're adding a uh, fantastic writer by the name of A.R. Wise, A-R-W-I-S-E. He's a uh, mostly a zombie writer. He'll be uh, making his intro in Demonic Visions 3. Very cool. So, Jason, we have five more days, seven more days? About five, I think, through the weekend, and then we end on, on Tuesday. Alrighty. So, so about five more days. So, for those of you who are listening in Kuala Lumpur and Hong Kong, you've actually got <laughs> six more days because of the, the timeline and that all that stuff that doesn't really mean anything. And <clears throat> when this ends... Uh, Gosh, this was this is great fun for us. I've got to tell you, Jason. Only only because we got to go through and and look at all the writers who had been on the show and go, let's put a group together and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And you guys did a great job. I would, I'd love to have you guys do another one with uh with some more of your favorite Woo! authors and <laughs> and writers. And I think this and- has done so well that I think we now have the the. Uh, the weight of the cell behind us so that we can go, you know, the first one did well. Let's do it again. I, and I think that would be fun. I agree. What do you guys think? Yeah. There we go. Huh. So Kriana says yes. Zombrian, are you there? What did I just say yes to, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I vociferously agreed, but I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> We do, we do have that tr- trouble with her from time to time. So, yeah, Jason, I, I really think this is something we'd like to do again, and I think we've probably got uh, our, our eye on some stuff that we're, we're thinking about doing now anyway. So, cool. I'm glad you want us back because we definitely do want to do it. 
Even so, if it got a little hectic right up towards the end. <laughs> we thought we had our ducks in a row, and then we didn't. But I have the feeling, I have the feeling, Jason, you back me up on this, whether I'm right or not, just say yes. That this kind of happens with yes. all of them. You get right to that point where you're just about ready to go, and somebody drops something, and then the next thing you know, everybody's scrambling. That's pretty much right. You know, it, it's it's that way with pretty much everything you do. You think you're you're prepared, and then something goes wrong at the last second. But you know, it, that's that's why you want to do stuff a little early, leave yourself a little cushion. But <laughs> we we cut our stuff, uh, you know, out the door on time. So that it, hey, that's, that's the important counts. thing. You know, the product <laughs> got out when it was supposed to get out. People seem to like it. The website is storybundle.com for the next four to five days, depending on where in the world you live. The Sci-Fi Saturday Night Bundle is up there. I want to thank Jason Chen and Chris Robertson of Demonic Visions and Death Dreams Deluxe for joining us tonight. So, Kriana. Yeah, okay. So, next week... We have Dave and Steve of the Boston Area Toy Collectors Club yes, on March. Oh my God, March first. Um, we get to talk with Stacy Longo. Speaking of horror writers, just saying. Yeah. On March eighth, we have the lovely Christy back to talk about her new story, Poison Ground. On March fifteenth, we have Michael J. Sullivan to talk about his new book, Hollow World. Is apparently Author Month. Evidently, it seems to be, doesn't it? And then, after that, we have Griffin and George back to talk about the details of their debut podcast. Our little Griffin and George are growing up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Dead Redhead. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast for Boston Comic-Con, Granicon, Rhode Island Comic-Con, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. I want to thank our guests, Jason Chen from Story Bundle and Chris Robinson from Demonic Visions for joining us tonight. And I want to thank our cast who once again have performed admirably in the face of whatever it is we face. Not drunkenness. There we go. From the Revere Time Vortex, this sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our Grammar Girl Zombrarian. Thank you very much, ladies. If anyone has some spare whiskey. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, great thanks to the dead redhead. Happy Valentine's Day again, everybody. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. I know.